Crib Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Wall. I had three dreams last night. In the first, I was on a suburban sidewalk with my younger brother, and we were hiding behind some bushes because giant predators were roaming the street. I remember two leopards, a wild boar, and a giant gorilla. My arm kept getting snagged on the bush, and I kept wrenching it free so that if necessary, I could at least defend myself. In the second dream, I was living in a house, which now that I'm awake, I don't recognize. And even though it was pouring rain outside, the giant willow tree in the backyard burst into flames. In the third dream, I stepped off an elevator on the top floor of a huge building and found myself standing on a two foot wide beam, a straight drop on either side to the lobby 30 floors down. I laid down and hugged the beam, frozen in place, unwilling to move for fear of falling. Not sure why I'm sharing those with you, but it's pretty rare that I remember my dreams, much less three in one night. So, dream enthusiasts, make of them what you will. So, crib notes are a concise set of notes used for quick reference, usually during a speech or a test. In the next 10 minutes, we're going to give you the crib notes version of the major headlines from the past week. As always, a link to all my sources can be found in the description of this episode. Okay, here we go. The White House. Last week, Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election took a big step by charging 13 Russians and two companies. The indictment indicates many things, and specifically does not indicate other things. It does indicate that Russia's effort to sway the election was extensive, very well funded, and to borrow a word from the New York Times, relentless. It does indicate that the idea that there was no interference is both naive and baseless. In fact, journalists and politicians alike consider this indictment to be, as much as anything, Mueller's firm rebuttal of Trump's continuous claims that the whole scandal is fake news. And though Trump continues to flat out deny any interference, he is losing support on that claim. Even Fox News published an article this week both acknowledging the interference in 2016 and warning readers that there is likely more to come. What the indictment does not answer is whether or not Trump and or his staff knowingly aided this interference campaign. It lays out a clear picture of cooperation between the Trump campaign and these Russian individuals and companies, but it stops short of saying anyone from the Trump campaign knew what they were doing. This round of indictments also does not even attempt to address the hacking of DNC emails, any counts against Trump and his affiliates of obstructing justice, or whether or not the repeated and false denials of any Russian contact from Trump's staff constitutes a violation of federal laws. The Justice Department says that the Mueller investigation is by no means complete, so we'll keep an eye on it as it continues to shed light on this issue. Congress. For anyone who might not know, the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA, is a law which prohibits discrimination against individuals with disabilities. Since its passage in 1990, the law has been used to achieve its goal in many ways, including employment protections, public services, and, most importantly for this particular story, a provision which requires both new and existing business facilities, such as restaurants, stores, and virtually any other space open to the public, to meet federal standards of accessibility. Business owners who do not comply with these federal standards can be sued under ADA rules. For almost three decades, this law has been in effect, relatively unchanged, and has led to countless renovations which allow people with disabilities better access to facilities of all kinds. Last week, however, in what they claim is an effort to crack down on quote-unquote frivolous lawsuits, the House of Representatives passed a bill which requires that a business owner must be given written warning of an ADA violation before being sued. They will then be given two months to create a plan to address the violation, and an additional four months to begin enacting that plan. 
If after six months what they are calling substantial progress is made, they are legally protected from a lawsuit. Now, evidently, something of a small industry has popped up since the ADA passed. There are a handful of lawyers nationwide who make a career out of finding ADA violations and suing the owners of those businesses. These lawsuits are the ones representatives call frivolous. A lawsuit of this nature would only be called frivolous by someone who does not have to deal each and every day with physical barriers that prevent them access to public spaces. To quote Senator Tammy Duckworth, a military veteran who lost both legs in Iraq when her helicopter was shot down, supporters of this bill don't deny that they're violating the law, they just resent being sued. The ACLU released a statement that warns that this bill shifts the burden of compliance with the law onto people with disabilities and away from the businesses committing the violations. And Representative Jim Langevin, the first quadriplegic elected to Congress, called the bill an obvious disincentive for ADA compliance. The bill will now go to the Senate to be voted on, but a specific date has not been picked yet. Now, big thanks to my friend Mary for bringing this story to my attention. National Headlines in Florida, in the week since the mass shooting at a high school in the town of Parkland, students have organized walkouts, sit-ins, rallies, and meetings with legislators to demand action on gun control. On Tuesday, Republicans in Florida's State House of Representatives voted overwhelmingly against bringing a debate about an assault weapon ban to the House floor. To be clear, that means less than a week after a mass shooting in their state, and with survivors of that mass shooting sitting in the gallery, they voted against even having a discussion about banning semi-automatic weapons. Incidentally, in the same session, they voted to officially list pornography as a public health risk. More school walkouts are being organized around the country, and for the first time in my memory, conversation about common sense gun control legislation has, if anything, gained momentum over the first week after a mass shooting. Florida legislators have stated that they are attempting to craft a bipartisan bill to pass some obvious gun control measures, such as raising the age minimum for purchasing semi-automatic weapons to 21, and allowing law enforcement to confiscate firearms from people deemed dangerous by courts. And Trump expressed his support this week for more extensive background checks on those who want to buy guns. Time will tell if this movement will continue to gain traction in what has long been an extremely partisan debate. International Headlines Syria is entering its eighth year of devastating civil war. This week, the government launched one of the deadliest air bombings yet. An estimated 310 people have died since Saturday. Reuters reports that 13 hospitals have been damaged or destroyed in the past three days. I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon, so these numbers will likely have risen by the time you hear this. Syrian President Bashar al-Assad and his Russian allies claim they are targeting rebel forces affiliated with ISIS, and neither claims responsibility for the hundreds of civilian deaths. A commander in Assad's forces told reporters that this is a preliminary bombing, and that the offensive has not started yet. Climate Watch. The past two days in the Arctic have been logged at roughly 45 degrees Fahrenheit higher than average. This means that for over 24 hours straight, in the middle of Arctic winter, where they haven't seen the sun since October, the temperature was above freezing. Experts say this is due in large part to record low levels of Arctic ice, which normally act as a sort of barrier for warm air and water. With ice levels as low as they are, those heat waves have a much easier time sweeping all the way to the poles. The North Pole itself is expected to rise above freezing before Sunday. Given the high levels of greenhouse gases and mercury frozen in the Arctic that we discussed a couple weeks ago, this is a story worth keeping an eye on for the next few months. Side story. 
Jeopardy! host Alex Trebek has accepted an offer to moderate a televised debate this fall between the candidates for Pennsylvania governor. Apparently, it has been a longtime goal of his to moderate a presidential debate someday. In an interview with The Hill, he said that unlike some other moderators, he would not allow candidates to skate by on quote-unquote standard answers. He said that even if it made him look bad, he would try to pin them down until they had really answered his question. According to a report in 2014, Trebek is a self-proclaimed social liberal and fiscal conservative, and has voted for both Democratic and Republican presidential candidates in the past. That's it for this week, friends. If you like the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. You can also go to patreon.com slash dylanwall to become a sustaining member of the show. Even for just $1 a month, you get some super cool rewards and they uh, only get cooler the higher you go. I think the top prize is something like $10 a month and you'll be uh, guaranteed an In Focus Crib Notes episode on the topic of your choice. Actually, I think there might even be a reward higher than that. I think for $20 a month or something, you come in as a guest host on my other show, Pop Up, where my friend Daniel and I uh, watch commercials and break them down. So super cool stuff. If you got uh, just, you know, a dollar or two a month, just like a quarter a week, uh, consider going to Patreon and supporting the show. It, it would mean the world to us. If you have questions, concerns, corrections, suggestions, or want to share a crazy dream you had last night, feel free to email me at thecribnotespodcast at gmail.com. You can find that email address as well as a link to all my sources in the description of this episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at CribNotesCast. I uh, post cool articles I find throughout the week and a lot of times stuff that uh, doesn't quite make it onto this show because we only have 10 minutes but is still uh, a cool or interesting or important or just a fun story, uh, I'll post it on the Twitter accounts. So uh, follow us and tweet at me. It'll totally make my day. Friends, you're great. And if there's any news next week, I'll talk to you then. <laughs>